Now, the Buckeye Extra Podcast with Rob Aller, Bill Rabinowitz, and Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast. I'm Joey Kaufman and joined by my co-host, Bill Rabinowitz, Rob Aller. It's Tuesday, January 17th, so we are through the NFL Draft's declaration deadline for underclassmen. Monday was the last day that players with remaining college eligibility could file for early entry into the draft. And going into that last day, there was at least a lot of speculation on what C.J. Stroud would do. It felt like a no-brainer all along, but he he took his sweet time. And on the last day, he announced that he was indeed declaring for the NFL draft, which ended a lot of, I think, speculation. But I don't think the decision was hardly any surprise. Well, I, I will say it was obviously no surprise. But from what I have gathered, it was not a slam dunk that that there was serious, uh, you know, push and pull about whether he wanted to do it. And I think there were there was there were nil considerations that that uh, made the decision a little bit harder, uh, or at least made it more tempting for him to stay. But I mean, I heard conflicting things from different people. Um, but in the end, it, it was kind of it was kind of a no brainer all along because. You're not going to go much higher than he's going to go if he came back. I mean, he's going to be, I mean, he's certainly a top 10 pick. He's probably a top five pick. There's a chance he's the number one pick. Uh, it all depends on who ends up getting the Chicago Bears have the first pick of the draft. And, well, they already have a quarterback, Justin Fields. So unless they were to trade Justin Fields, which I find to be pretty unlikely given the progress he made this year with a very, very bad team, um, they're going to take trade offers from whoever and – and you know that team's going to have their desired quarterback. Maybe it's CJ Stroud. We don't we don't know, but yeah, he uh, you know he didn't beat Michigan. He didn't win a national championship, but he did it about everything else. Didn't win a Heisman, but was a finalist. The Michigan losses, I don't think you can pin on him. He played spectacularly against Georgia. Um, I, I think that if there were kind of skeptics of CJ Stroud among Buckeye Nation, I think the way he played against Georgia should have um, pleased them. Yeah, I think he, you know, he had a chance. We talked about this earlier. He had a chance to go down as the greatest uh, state quarterback in history. If he beats Michigan, if he wins the Heisman, you know, the trifecta, and he, you know, they win a national title. Um, so that those don't happen, that probably drops him. I'm not even sure if you look at the totality of it whether he's top five. Oh, he's top five. Of course, he is. Listen to it. Listen to him. All right, you got Rex, you got Rex Kern, you got Troy Smith, you got Justin Fields. Uh, Joey and I were talking before the podcast about Haskins, who does have a win again. One year, one year doesn't matter. Uh, he is he kind of was the start. He started the the power arm. You know the new era here it was kind of Dwayne Haskins kind of did that, and then you go back through and you know. Yeah, maybe that's where you slot in CJ. I mean, it's no slam or slight on CJ, but again, he, he's 0-2 against Michigan. If you look at the t- totality of it, I don't think numbers and stats now are where it's at because they're just so off the charts compared to previous eras. Um, so he's definitely not top three. 
In the in Buckeye Nation's mind, there ain't no way C.J. Stroud is top three. Rex Kern is probably mm-hmm. me again. The totality of all fans, you know, people who are twenty five don't even know who Rex Kern is. But the totality of it matters. Do you need to be in the mind of Buckeye Nation, though, Rob? You, uh, we are newspaper people. We buy ink by the barrel. It's what's your what's in your top four. What's well, in I would your, say I Troy you're Smith, the Well, Troy Smith's still number one. Um, number two, some people like Rex Kern. Um, some people I probably would have had CJ there, even maybe with one win against Michigan. I don't know if, if Fields is there. Um, yeah, I, I, he's probably not. He's not in my top three. Let's put it that way. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I feel comfortable ranking them. I mean, I, it's just there's Why not? different years. Well, you can't compare Rex Kern with, what, with any of these modern what we, It's what we what do you mean? Kern, put it this way. When, Rex, when Ohio State, you talk about Rex Kern, and obviously he was a great, great quarterback and a great guy. I mean, we both know him. He's a great guy, great quarterback. Fans of that era love him, adore him. But let's also face facts. They won a national championship in 68, 69. They go to Michigan, and they're down 24-12 at halftime, and he, they can't throw. He can't throw. They bench him in the second half. So, you know, they don't win at 70 with a, a great team. The super sophomores were then seniors. They didn't win at Boston, lost to Stanford. So everybody's got a legacy. Troy Smith against Florida. We know what happened against Florida. So everybody's got a bit of a – there's no perfect – Ohio State. Exactly, exactly. So, it's just, so there's it's, no reason. I mean, first of all, I think Stroud, Stroud is well in the Michigan games. He played spectacularly in the Rose Bowl. He played spectacularly against Georgia. The only team and the the only opponent that did anything really uh, consistently against Georgia's defense all year. Um, you know, and the other thing is just the eye test. I mean, he made throws that were just beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, as good a throws as I have seen at any level of football. You know, a good guy from from all accounts. Um, you know, I don't know how much that matters in in this you know this ranking, but represented the university well, all that kind of stuff. And so, if you were to say, okay, but if you do it this way, draft Ohio State quarterbacks. You have a draft. You can play an Ohio State All Star team against any other team in the country. C.J. Stroud would get serious consideration for my number one pick. I think I would take him or Justin Fields if yeah, you would too. basically draft the all-time Ohio State team to to be your quarterback. Uh, because I think what's unique about him in relative in comparison to the guys who came in before, like Haskins, and I think he's in the same class of Fields. You could make the argument. I think I would that he's probably the best pure thrower. Um, yeah. of any Ohio State quarterback, the, the the touch he would show on deep ball and the willingness to to really push the ball downfield. You go back and look at Dwayne Haskins' numbers. I was doing that before we came on. When his in his spectacular 2018 season, all the yards and touchdowns he put up, 20% of his throws were behind the line of scrimmage. They with that that shovel pass, they did a lot. A lot of those I think padded his stats a little more. And you look at Fields and and Stroud. They were about 12, 14% of their throws came behind the line of scrimmage. They were they were much more willing to push the ball downfield. And I think CJ gets um to be in a little bit of a class of his own with Justin in that regard. Listen, I, I I've been as big a proponent of CJ as anybody. I said he was better than Justin Fields last year. Very early on. 
So yeah, very early on, I think I think he is actually is just a pure passer. But I think we're still too close to this situation. It goes to what we were talking about the last time on on legacy of teams. In ten years, if C, if CJ Stroud has an average or you know NFL career. Because NFL always influences how you think of these guys. People still think, oh, Tom Brady's the greatest Michigan quarterback. Well, not a, not when he was at Michigan. So if C.J. Stroud, let's say, just kind of is an okay journeyman quarterback, in 10 or 15 years, people look at the Michigan record. They look at the national title. They look at those things. They don't kind of think about, oh, he threw into tight windows. I mean, that's always a part of it. I'm just saying that. I think long-term legacy, entire Buckeye Nation looks at things differently than sort of the aesthetics. Yeah, but I think I think that in some ways it's what it's a question of whether how will they look at his legacy and how how they should look at it because I'm sure Buckeye Nation will be fixated on the, the Michigan win, exactly the, the Michigan game record. But like, we're not in the there's business. A, there's a, there's an argument to be made that they they shouldn't. There's a, a whole no, other. We're not in the business of should. Yeah, we are. Not in the business of shooting. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference between fans and journalists, hopefully. Exactly. Journal fans can not, and about I, whatever they want. We're supposed to know what we're, you know, kind of know what we're talking about here. Right. But legacy is goes beyond journalists. Who cares what we say about the legacy? It's really about what the masses think. Let's face it. I mean, are we, are we that conceited that we think that we're like the. Uh, well, we don't the, bestow this on people, but I'm just saying our, our view of this should be different. Or can be different than a fancy. The other thing is, if if, if CJ Stroud is a ten year NFL career as a journeyman, that's still that puts him at the top of the list for Ohio State quarterbacks. I mean, look, but it has nothing exactly but shining shining examples there. We're talking about college career, though. I'm saying that the NFL career, you know, it affects and impacts what people think of the college career. So that's all. Yeah, I mean, it's a low bar. CJ Stroud it's a very low bar. CJ Stroud doesn't have to now if he hangs around. For 10 years. Well, Mike Tomzak, who most people consider is probably the best Ohio State quarterback in the NFL just because of longevity. And he did he did start some games. Right. Uh so it's a low bar, but you got to do more than just hang around. And I think I'm really curious what you guys think of CJ Stroud's NFL prospects. On one hand, I think he's got the number one thing necessary, which is processing information quickly, especially when you go up to the next level and the windows are tighter and you've got to make the decisions and just the game moves faster. That speaks well of him. Uh, at the same time, that his mobility, which is, as he showed in the Peach Bowl, is better than a lot of people gave him credit for, but, you know, not incredible. Uh, you know, he's he, he gets by. Um size attitude where you end up bill knows this he covered the nfl it's it's a landing spot i mean any any quarterback that lands in cleveland sorry i mean that's, that's, that's absolutely the biggest factor who who's your coach who are your teammates do you get hurt do you have stable ownership do you have do you have a you know a dysfunctional franchise and obviously if you're a very a top pick odds are you're going to have some kind of dysfunctional franchise because that's where you're picking that's where you're going. They're going to a bad franchise. So um, that that has so much to do with it. So much of it is just luck, not in terms of I mean, luck in terms of injuries, in terms of the teams you go, the team you go to, the coach system, all that kind of stuff. I, mean, I, I do think- not. I would say I don't see him being a transcendent talent. 
they're still going to be NFL. They're so good. Yeah, I just, but I that doesn't mean he won't be, you know, capable. But there are so many quarterbacks who are like holding clipboards who are really good quarterbacks, but they're not that incredible level. And I would, I don't know where to slot him. I don't see him being Joe Burrow. But I don't see him being some guy that's only in the league for two years and then out. That would be where I'd and then and that leaves a lot of room, I I granted. But that would be my take on him. You know, I hope that he's a super huge success. If nothing else, it would be different for Ohio State, right? We just talked about that. It'd be kind of unique that Ohio State actually has a guy that's you know, and the jury's out on Justin Fields, although you know, I feel for that guy because he has no talent around him. And, uh, you know, if you're a run first quarterback, your your career is going to get shortened. He doesn't Just, want to be a run first quarterback. No, so, I know, but he is at this moment. <laughs> I mean, in that system, yeah. that's what he was. Yeah. Well, I think there is some burrow in, in Stroud. And, and, you know, not on the surface, but I think that there is the touch in terms of throwing. I think there's the accuracy in terms of throwing. I think the processing is very similar. I mean, I think Burrow is is probably a better athlete, um, more elusive in the pocket. But, you know, and personalities, they're – I mean, I'm not sure they're that similar. I mean, honestly, we didn't know Joe Burrow all that well at Ohio State because he was a backup and didn't talk to us much. But you could see that inner fire in him. You knew it was there, and I think there's there's that in, in C.J. Stroud. Um, I'm not saying that he's Burrow. Burrow's already proven it in the pros. And so, he's you know, C.J. hasn't proven anything in the pros. But I think there are certain common uh, traits that they have. I think what will be interesting with with this draft class to watch with C.J. Stroud is it, there does seem to be a real chance that he could go number one overall or certainly in the, in the in the top five. And number one overall, I think the likely scenario would be if the Bears were to trade down out of that pick. But the other quarterback in the class is, is Bryce Young from Alabama and – he can do a lot. He's creative and he can make right. plays in the pocket. And, and he's a former Heisman Trophy winner. But his frame is going to be nitpicked during the, the, the pre-draft process. So it, I think there would be a lot of teams who would be swayed by C.J. Stroud. If he were to have delayed his decision, come back to Ohio State, I think he would have had a harder time being the number one overall pick next year because Kayla Williams from USC is coming out, Drake May from, from North Carolina. I think that's actually a – a little bit of a tougher quarterback class. I, I think Caleb Williams is going to be one of the biggest draft prospects in, in some time. Some people have Will Levis ahead of the Kentucky quarterback who transferred from Penn State. Yeah, he's a, supposed to be a weight room war. I mean, yeah, I mean, but, but I don't. I, I think that's just. It. I don't. I, I don't see haven't seen Kentucky enough, so I'm not going to, you know, admit that. But my initial view is that's the NFL outsmarting itself again. Well, maybe. I mean, Josh Allen was at Wyoming, so it's it's hard to. Yeah, but Josh Allen was great at Wyoming. Yeah. Yes and no. He was a lot of. He was a lot of. He was a lot of boom and bust at Wyoming. Like his completion percentage was really low, and at the time, like that was considered a case of of a lot of people were wondering. That's that's what you said. The NFL outsmarting itself and going after a guy who was just a a big old passer with a big arm and, and all the physical tools, but didn't really have the statistical track record to do it. And the, the thought was, well, he didn't do it against Mountain West Conference team. Why is he going to do it against the AFC East? And he's he's done it. So all this is a little bit of a, a crapshoot in some ways, but still, I think 
if you're being honest about it, I'm with I'm still with you, Bill. I don't see how Will Levis is somebody who should be picked over Bryce Young or or, or CJ Stroud. It does well, seem sure. like though CJ could end up being the highest draft the Ohio State quarterback ever, right? Or yeah. since it was number four. Yeah, I don't out for the old Colts. Yeah, I'll circle back just to say I think the main thing CJ's got going for him is, is just that ability to see the field and process information. I think that's the number one thing you need. Uh, you have to have a strong and strong arm or strong enough. I think he's shown that. I'm not sure it's you know he's not he's not Mahomes um, in that respect, but. I think he'll. I think he'll last. I'll just, you know, I guess I'll go out on a limb. Oh, there's that's a, well, that's a, that's a, that's a stretch. Is he scorching take? Yeah, it's a hot take. He'll he'll last. You know, I think he could last a decade, and maybe he'll... Stroud, not a bust. Yeah, there it is. There it is. I, in a way, I don't think even saying that it's like I'm not sure he's got the super hype that people would even say he's a bust. Somehow, Justin Fields. I don't know, like CJ, maybe because he's under the radar or something. I, I, I it's hard CJ to get a could, read. CJ could go higher than Justin. I, I think he could, he could but will. oh, he could. There's no doubt he will. So, can you he call could. a tenth overall pick? Like, if 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 you're pick tenth, can you really call that like just based on draft order a a bust? I I agree, but it just you know that's just in my head. In my head, it's like if Justin Fields doesn't make it, he's a bigger bust than if CJ doesn't make it, mainly because. Yeah. Fields kind of had those, you know, the physical tools. He just was big. He, you know, he, I think in a way, Justin Fields got more hyped at Ohio State than CJ has. Well, he was hyped coming out of high school, too. I mean, Justin Fields yeah. was on the Netflix QB1 show, went to Georgia as a, a big time local kid to, to play for the home state school. And then the way he transferred to Ohio State, I think, added to that hype, where CJ was a much more of a late bloomer. In high school, so I, I get that perception a little bit. I do want to add to this because we, we've ta- we've talked a little bit about CJ's legacy and in that conversation, all the dr- all the drama in the lead up to this decision. When you talk about and we talk about CJ maybe being a top five pick, if he does go in the top five, that's a signing bonus of of more than twenty million dollars, and it seemed to be some people seem to speculate that oh he could come back because he could get an, an, an NIL package. And all this and this and that, and like maybe a national endorsement campaign. That's pennies compared to what you get by going in the top five of the draft, which seems like he's well positioned to do. And maybe down the line, there'll be a case of somebody putting off the NFL draft because they could make as much or close to that figure in college. But but the way NIL is set up right now, I don't really see that all. And, and maybe it factored in a little bit of a decision, but it always felt like more of an insurance policy. To me, not actually apples to apples in terms of like the financial opportunities you would get versus staying in college versus going pro. Yeah, no matter how much you know could have been raised for NIL, it was never going to measure up to what he's going to get in the NFL. I mean, what NIL can do though is keep a marginal Ohio State player or any college player uh, entice them to stay because I think we've talked about this before. If you are a late round pick or a free agent, you guarantee very little or nothing, and you could make I think a lot more. Uh, at Ohio State and get stay on scholarship, get a free education and all the other stuff, you know, improve your draft stock. So it's not for the Justin Fields of the world or the, uh, sorry, the CJ Strouds of the world. It's for the, you know, the guy who might go in the seventh round and not get drafted at all. Those guys, I think, are much more likely to stay. 
Yeah, the mid round guys, like somebody like Blake Corm in Michigan, I think. I don't know if he's a first round pick. He would have been, you know, second or third round, I would think. But even if you're a second or third round pick, I think staying in college with at a high profile spot like him, it's a, it's closer because you're not making yeah. a lot of much if you're a third round pick. There's no guarantee all those guys even make the roster that they're drafted by. No, no doubt. Well, should we should we shift up to the other maybe? Yeah, the other the other big news, I guess. Other than than CJ Stroud, I think the last time we recorded, Tommy Eichenberg made his decision. He's coming back. That's big news for the Ohio State defense. <laughs> Their leading tackler. I think he'll enter the season as a favorite for the Buckus Award, preseason All American. They have Lathan Ramson coming back in the secondary. He didn't make an announcement, but his dad did confirm to Bill yesterday that he's coming back. So that assures Ohio State will have at least one returning starting safety uh, back with Ronnie Higman going pro and Tanner McAllister, his eligibility being up. So I think all in all, when you assess the the departures of the drafted line, CJ was a given. But I think overall, it was pretty good news for the Buckeyes. I think it went as well, I think, as they could have hoped coming in. Luke Whippler may be the only surprises we, we touched on as well. Yeah, that hurts them because the, their offensive line is going to be pretty shaky next year. And losing Whippler, does that's a considerable loss. I mean, I, I expect Matt Jones, whose decision to stay is, on the flip side, very good news for Ohio State. McKee could slide over to center. But he and Donovan Jackson are the only returning starters. And, yeah, you, you, you have Josh Fryer, you probably have Enoch Babahi. After that, it's, you know, who knows? Um, but it's that's Justin Fry's probably got the biggest spotlight on him of any assistant coach. And along with the with the draft news, I was just going to add, Brian Hartline is now the offensive coordinator. The question mark that everybody will then ask, well, who's calling the plays? And that's not known. Uh, right now, Brian Hartline was promoted offensive coordinator, but it, uh, it's very much a wait and see as far as whether he'll take over as the, the primary play callers. So very likely they could run it back with, with Day as the play caller, even though he acknowledged uh, to Kirk Herbstreet that he was considering giving it up, but he doesn't, he does not have anybody on a staff with this promotion who has an experience as the primary play caller on offense. Yeah. He's got, you know, really this, all this was, was just titles. It's just yeah. about titles as of now. Now, who knows, maybe as time goes on, Ryan Hartline will show Ryan day that he is capable of calling plays. You know, I kind of joke that he'll do it for the, he'll do it for the uh, Youngstown state game. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a big risk because you know Kevin Wilson had called plays, had a long career of of being able to do it. I'm sure he was a guy that Ryan Day could could consult and and feel comfortable that he could bounce ideas off of. Now you're talking about look at the, the offensive staff. You have you know Justin Fry who has called plays. He was a former coordinator at UCLA, but hasn't done it here. Um, Tony Alford, not really a play caller. Brian Hartline has never been a play caller, and then you have a very young assistant. Keenan Bailey at the new tight ends coach replacing Kevin Wilson at that position spot. So, you know, if Ryan Day wanted to not be in a position of feeling like he had to call plays, he's probably in a position as we are right now where he's more needed to call plays. I think we got we've we've left out an obvious candidate. Corey Dennis, of course, is, you know, he's he's been there. <clears throat> he's is he capable of calling plays? Or would he be on the phone with Urban? What do I do now? What do I do now? Urban is, of course, his father-in-law. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Hey, well, who, yeah. here's, here's my question. Who are they going to be calling plays for? Who's going to be quarterback? I, if I, if I, I don't think it's much of a stretch at this point to say Kyle McCord is the clear favorite. It's not his job yet. He's going to have to earn it throughout the spring. But he was, he's been the primary backup the last two years. He's a five star guy. He's got a, an extra year of experience under his belt. Um, I mean, I think it's in, it's a similar in certain ways to the Haskins Burrow thing, you know, was well, in 2018, but I think it's more so that way. I mean, I think it's, I think McCord has a bigger advantage over uh, Devin Brown than, than Haskins did over, over Burrow because I know that they really liked Burrow. They were, you know, it was just Haskins had that one game against Michigan where he rallied Ohio State to, to victory. And, and Urban's told me since um, that he kind of felt like that was the guy. Uh, one, that that game gave him, you know, tie goes to the winner. And Haskins was the winner of that game. So, you know, I don't know how Ryan Day feels about it. I mean, that's, you know, he's not, Urban's not the coach anymore. Ryan Day is. So I don't know how he feels about it, but I would expect it to be McCord. I think if you're an Ohio State fan, the secession plan to root for is for Kyle McCord to be the starting quarterback. And I think you obviously want him to be the, the best quarterback. But I do think the best case scenario for the Buckeyes is for him to be the guy. Because if there's a scenario in a situation where where Devin Brown were to, to edge Kyle McCord by the end of spring or Kyle McCord doesn't feel comfortable enough with his status, there's a – portal window there where he can put his name in and leave, which would leave Ohio State with two scholarship quarterbacks, which is not a lot. Um, but I think if Kyle McCord ends up being the guy, I think Devin Brown is less likely to transfer just by virtue of having more remaining eligibility and the, the, the need to play right away is not as strong. If you're, if you're Kyle McCord, you really, really want to be a starting quarterback somewhere because he only has two more years left to play. Uh, he he did not redshirt as a freshman, uh, so he's going to be a junior in eligibility next year. And he enrolled. He arrived in 2021. He does not have the extra year of eligibility due to COVID. So his his clock, in a way, is ticking. There's a little bit of an urgency for him to to play. So if he's not the guy, I think the ramifications are, are significant because he's going to be looking for an opportunity to play somewhere else as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's a good point. And Devin Brown, for what it's worth, at Media Day, uh, uh, Peach Bowl Media Day, I did ask him if his statement that he's never going to transfer from Ohio State that he's made last year still holds. And he said, yes, absolutely. It, you know, I'm not going anywhere. And again, things can change. I'm not, you know, he didn't sign on the dotted line. <laughs> it's not a contract. But that's that's his mindset right now. And so, yeah, I, I agree with Joey that, that the secession plan – works better if it's McCord this year ideally he has like a phenomenal year and he has a decision to make um you know we didn't expect Haskins to be a one-year guy you know so stranger things have happened yeah this is where Ryan this is where Ryan Day's resume comes into play you know positively for if you're Devin Brown uh you know what's happened. What happened with Haskins one year. You know with Justin Fields. You know these guys in one year can just skyrocket. So if you're Devin Brown, maybe you're thinking, well, you know what? Kyle McCord has a huge year in a system where he's got incredible receivers and good running backs, and maybe he declares after this year or puts himself in position where he's out of here. 
and then you're the you know you're the potentially the starter. Of course, then the, this just perpetuates, right? Because if that happens, you're Devin Brown. You don't play a lot. Well, you've got this kid behind you from where is it, the Dakota? Yeah, South Dakota. You know, South Dakota, and it's the same. Lincoln, Lincoln kind of holds. Yeah, Lincoln. So you've got the same thing happening where, you know, and maybe Lincoln thinks the same way. Well, maybe uh, Devin Brown's only here a year because Ryan Day can get him right so, you know, so good that he leaves. Uh, as long as Ryan Day's here, you're going to have yeah, a elite quarterback yeah. because you're going to want to play for him. Right. How long is Ryan Day going to be here? There's, That's a there's whole different topic. <laughs> Who knows? One. Who knows? Uh, it, I think with looking at Devin Brown, Common Core, one thing should be pointed out. Uh, Brown did redshirt this year, so they were only separated by one recruiting class, but they're now separated by two years right. in eligibility. So whether Devin Brown transfers or not, he doesn't have the same rush as Tom McCord does because he has four seasons of eligibility left. Tom McCord has two. Right. Well, the other the other news of the week had nothing to do with Ohio State, although like it always does when you're talking about Michigan. Uh, our friend Jim Harbaugh will be back. Your thoughts? I think it's great. Love the copy. Gives us copy things to write about. And, uh, you know, Jim's Jim, Captain Khaki, has turned it around up there seemingly. He's, seemingly? <laughs> I think we have to give him credit for that. Other than they did, you know, they, the uh, TCU game was – Yeah, It's well. interesting because I think last year it would be fun to give Ohio everybody on Ohio State staff and Ryan Day some true serum uh, on this one because – if I were just purely guessing on on my end, I think last year when he was doing his whole NFL dance, I would guess most of them wanted him to, in a way, come back because you want another shot at him. You you just lost for the first time in forever in a decade to Michigan, and you want to get another crack at revenge and all that. I wonder if they feel the same same way now when he was doing the whole strike, go to the NFL or the law firm present itself. Now, sure, you get another shot at revenge, but they're in your head a little bit more than maybe they were a year ago, or it feels that way. I think that's the, I would be, I would love to know deep down how they truly feel. Well, you could, you could argue fairly, I think that Jim Harbaugh, his record is better than Ryan days. When you look at it, they both will, he's made two playoffs. Now they didn't make it. They didn't make the championship game, but they, they they made the playoff, and he's in the last two years, which is half of Ryan Day's career, right? Uh, at Ohio State, he's two and zero against the Buckeyes. So what's Ryan Day? Well, Ryan Day is what? What is he now? One in three. He's two zero against the Buckeyes. What do you mean? He's two one and two. He's one and two against Michigan. Well, yeah, Harbaugh's two and five, I think. Right. Well, I'm talking yeah. about Ryan Day against Ryan Day. I'm not saying against Ohio State. And then you know so. You know, everyone says, well, Ryan Day's a better coach. He's had more success. Uh, has he? Has he? I don't know. Overall, it's, yeah. a, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a long, it's a little bit of a longevity question, too. Like you count all Harbaugh, Stanford years, and he took a team to the Super Bowl. So I think it's a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison. But if you just compare their four years, I think Ryan Day would have the the leg up because he's won a playoff game. And he's he's only one and two against Michigan, but in 20, Michigan uh, couldn't play that game because of uh, everybody on their team had COVID, which was good timing because I would yeah. venture to guess Ohio State would have won the football game that year. That would have been a hang-on. A hang-on hang one, right? Um, yeah, I mean, there's it's no close. It's close. It's, it's I, I do think I do think Ohio State 
the the, the day probably wants him back because I don't think he wants I don't think he wants Jim Harbaugh to, to be, go on with his life and say I won the last two against Ohio State. I mean, I, I just think that would not sit well. Uh, you know, next year that's going to be another epic game, at least as we look at it in January. Ohio, Michigan's got Harbaugh back. They have Blake Corum back. They have J.J. McCarthy back. Ohio State's breaking a new quarterback. The game's in Ann Arbor. You know, this one might be the first time that Michigan's actually going to be favored in that game. When's the last time that Ohio State was an underdog in that game? Oh, I think 2011, if I just had to do it. No, 2018, Michigan was favored. Okay, okay. That was the, the uh, revenge. It's pretty rare. It's right. right it's you're rare. right. So, uh, you know, I think, I don't know. You know, we can, we get, we get what, nine, 10 months to talk about that game. If you are, if you are on the side of Ohio State and Michigan should absolutely hate each other and the coaches should not like each other and there would be bitterness and right. animosity and a real dislike. Jim Harmon coming back is, is good for all those things because I don't think there's any love lost. It's the best thing for the rivalry, for, without a doubt, that he's back. That no, they've no. won two in a row, that he's controversial, born on third base, all that. And people love to hate him. If, if we were talking about where C.J. Stroud ranked among all-time Ohio State quarterbacks earlier in this episode, if you were to, if we were to do a similar exercise, where does Jim Harbaugh rank among most hated Michigan alums? I think he would be... High, high on that list, both as a number one coach. I would say number one. I mean, there was Desmond Howard might edge him. Desmond Howard might just because of one move. Desmond's got a mouth. It's sort of hard. I was say Desmond goes on ESPN three hundred sixty-five days and reminds Ohio State fans why they don't like him very much. Right? Yeah, I don't really watch it, so I don't know. But yeah, I, I, yeah, but Desmond's always smiling. You know, I think people think that he means it. You know, half truthful and half joking just to kind of push buttons but Harbaugh is he he can be unlikable I mean let's let's not kid ourselves he's an odd guy um the third base comment I think rankled a lot of people not just they uh he does have a personality that is different he just does and so uh and what he's you know the guarantee is a player and now he's the coach he has brought them back and let's 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 give him props. I mean, that program had been down for a long time. Urban and Trestle took advantage of Trestle late, and then Urban, especially early, was the benefit. They were the beneficiaries of having a down Michigan program. He has brought them back. They are a legitimate top five program in the country again. I pointed that out when I had some I did a, a story of my sort of my ten final thoughts on the season. But when you measure the the average. SRS score. It's a it's a metric sportsreference.com uses to to evaluate teams. Michigan's been much, much higher uh in the the day era than it was when the teams urban face and, and trestle face. So that I think that is a, a non-insignificant factor for uh the rivalry becoming competitive again. It's really Michigan raising its its bar and I think certainly these teams are going to be tussling going forward in years to come. So it'll be fun for the rivalry and all the implications of that with Harbaugh back on the sideline and in Arbor. But that just about does it for this episode of the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast. We are in off-season mode. We'll try to come back about once a week or so as there's always some news and developments around Ohio State football in the age of the transfer portal and – all sorts of roster movement and coach movement and 
might be a little quieter the next month, but it feels like it's never fully quiet. But thanks for, for joining in and, and listening. Be sure and subscribe to the Buckeye Extra podcast in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on Stitcher.